What is up, you guys? Welcome to another edition of Controversial Thoughts. There are many myths about meat and protein and kidneys that I want to dispel in this edition of Controversial Thoughts. This is something I've talked about years ago, but it's time for a version 2.0 video on this topic because this myth continues to circulate. Before I get into that, I want to share two exciting, interesting things that have been happening recently. The first is that Bachelorette Ellie Miles raises eyebrows by promoting controversial all-meat diet that brands fruit and vegetables as toxic. Well, nobody ever thought that the Daily Mail got anything right, and they got a lot of this wrong, but I thought it was pretty ironic that uh, uh, you know Ellie Miles says, hey, I'm getting a lot of benefit from excluding the most toxic plant foods. Uh, she shared an infographic from Hardened Soil Supplements, that's us, and got a lot of pushback from mainstream dietitians who clearly have everything figured out. They clearly know the vegetables are good for all people. They couldn't possibly be bad for anyone. And they don't contain anything like defense chemicals. If you're not sure what I'm talking about, you can listen to the previous controversial thoughts I've done, a recent debate with Alex Leaf or any of my other work if you want to know about toxins and defense chemicals that might be found in vegetables and why I'm not a fan of nuts, seeds, grains, legumes, stems, leaves, and roots of most plants. And if you really want to get dialed into an animal-based diet, you should join us for the Animal Base 30 happening in August. It's a few days away. Go to animalbase30.com. It's free to sign up. You'll get Facebook group invite, question and answers, free question and answers, free infographic from the team, all kinds of good stuff happening with Animal Base 30, all kinds of resources. There's a newsletter that'll go out throughout the month with encouragement, great community. We do this once a quarter and it's amazing. People lose tons of weight. They feel amazing. They have an incredible community of people who help them on an animal-based diet, which is definitely contrary to the mainstream and does not constitute medical misinformation. Mm. Anyway, so props to Ellie Miles for talking her mind and sharing that this diet is helping her. Shame on the mainstream media, I guess it's the Daily Mail, for saying that this is misinformation. All these dietitians can't imagine that anything could be out of the box or that there might be anything that they haven't considered because we all know vegetables are just the best foods on the planet, right? Wrong. Anyway, that's Ellie Miles' story. Also have to share an article. I think it's an abstract that someone sent me on the COVID vaccination. Uh, this is a uh, med RXIV. So I do not know if this has not, this has not been peer reviewed at this point. Um, this is all stuff that's coming out in real time. This is a study on the necessity of COVID-19 vaccination in previously infected individuals. Uh, I don't even know, this is published, posted June the 5th, 2021. By even sharing this article, I might get censored, which is bullshit because this is an abstract that I'm freaking sharing that somebody to research on. That's all I'm saying. So this is a study looking at the Cleveland Clinic Health System, December 16th, 2020. The day the COVID-19 vaccination started, there were 52,238 employees as participants. 1,359 of the 2,579 previously infected subjects remained unvaccinated compared with 22,777 of the 49,659 not previously infected. The cumulative incidence of SARS-CoV-2 infection remained almost zero among previously infected unvaccinated subjects. Previously injected, in previously infected subjects, that was a Freudian slip, previously infected subjects who were vaccinated and previously uninfected subjects who were vaccinated. 
compared with a steady increase in cumulative incidence among previously uninfected subjects who remained unvaccinated. Not one of the 1,359 previously infected subjects who remained unvaccinated, previously infected, unvaccinated, had a SARS-CoV-2 infection over the duration of the study. Their conclusion, individuals who have had SARS-CoV-2 infection are unlikely to benefit from a COVID vaccination. Vaccines can be safely prioritized to those who have not been infected before. Okay, look, I did an Instagram story about my thoughts on the vaccination. This is not a video about the COVID vaccination. I just thought that was an interesting piece of evidence. It's just a freaking published study Instagram. Slow your roll about people who have been infected with COVID probably might not benefit from a vaccination. At least that study says it. We need more data. Interesting, right? Okay, on to the meat of this video. Let's talk about kidneys and protein and kidney function. Just like all these dietitians know that Ellie Miles promoting an animal-based diet that says vegetables might not be great for you, everybody knows that she's wrong, right? Everybody knows that meat harms the kidneys, right? Wrong. There's so much evidence for that. This is an often repeated, unsubstantiated notion. And I'll show you the data to prove it. But the basic high level stuff here is that eating a high protein diet, one gram of protein per pound of body weight, 2.2 grams of protein per kilogram, as you'll see in a lot of studies that I'm going to show you on a meta-analysis, has never been shown to affect kidney function, which we often measure as something called GFR, glomerular filtration rate. Before we get into these two studies, which are very clear in the fact that high protein diets do not negatively affect kidney function, we have to go over a couple of terms. The first is creatinine. Creatinine is a breakdown product of creatine. Creatine phosphate is in your muscles. People with more muscle are gonna have more creatine. Creatine is excreted uh, in the proximal tubule and is filtered in the glomerulus. We measure it in the blood. So it gives us a sense of the kidney function because it tells us how well the kidney is functioning to pass creatinine from the blood through the glomerulus into the kidney tubules and excreted in the proximal tubule, then excreted in your urine. So if you're not getting rid of a lot of creatinine, the inference that we make in medicine is that your kidneys aren't working well, okay? Creatinine is a breakdown product of creatine phosphate in muscles. Therefore, if you have more muscles, you may have more creatinine in your blood, okay? The more creatine in your muscles, more creatinine in your blood. If you're supplementing with creatine, you may have more creatinine in your blood, okay? You may have more creatinine in your blood if you are eating more meat, which creates, which contains creatine, which is a very good thing. Creatine is a very important intermediate in the phosphate system in your body, really important in terms of the production of ATP, the regeneration of ATP from ADP. Getting creatine in meat is huge. I've talked about this in the past. If you take vegetarians and you give them a supplement of creatine, which they should be getting in meat, which they're not eating, they get smarter. They get smarter. They do well on tests of recall and memory tasks, okay? Creatine makes you smart. It's in meat. It's good for you, okay? End of story there. That's a reason your creatinine could be slightly higher than normal, which is why if you are eating a lot of meat, if you are eating one gram of protein per pound of body weight like I am, and you're worried that your creatinine looks a little bit higher than normal, you can also get a cystatin C. Cystatin C is not connected with muscle breakdown, but you can look at those two tests to tell what your kidney function is. BUN, blood urea nitrogen, is not a test of kidney function, okay? If you're eating more nitrogen, sometimes BUN goes up. BUN can also go up if you're dehydrated, if you're not eating enough salt. BUN goes all over the place. BUN is not a good test of kidney function. In someone that has kidney failure, BUN will rise. But that doesn't mean 
That does not mean that a BUN that is slightly higher than normal or at the high end of normal indicates anything wrong with your kidneys. Recheck it, hydrate, add more salt. It changes a lot based on what you're eating. BUN is not a good measure of kidney function. Creatine, coming from the muscles, making creatinine. Creatinine is a good one. Cystatin C is a good one. We can estimate glomerular filtration rate. All right, with all of that said, let's look at a couple of articles and put this baby to rest, okay? So first article, comparative effects of low carbohydrate, high protein versus low fat diets on the kidney. Let's just go straight to the conclusions. This is a study in healthy obese individuals, a low carbohydrate, high protein weight loss diet over two years was not associated with noticeably harmful effects on GFR, glomerular filtration rate, albuminuria, which is the formation, or excuse me, the appearance of albumin in the urine, which can indicate damage to the glomerulus, damage to the filtering apparatus in the kidney, or fluid and electrolyte balance compared with a low-fat diet, okay? This was a 24-month study of many individuals on this diet, no problems there, okay? That's the first one. The second one I, I wanna show you is even more convincing because it's a meta-analysis, which means they're taking a collection of multiple different studies. And this is a collection of multiple randomized controlled trials looking at high-protein diets and kidney function. Imagine that. They've actually done interventional trials on this, and yet people still promulgate the notion that high-protein is going to harm your kidneys. Changes in kidney function do not differ between healthy adults consuming, consuming high, higher compared with lower or normal protein diets, a systematic review, meta-analysis, I'll show you a summary of those studies in a moment. Post-intervention, GFR comparisons indicate that high-protein diets result in higher glomerular filtration rates. That means actually your kidney's filtering more. So that's not a decline in kidney function. It's actually an increase. However, they say, when changes in GFR were compared, dietary protein had no effect. Our analyses indicates, analysis indicates that high-protein intakes do not adversely influence kidney function or GFR in healthy adults. This is populated data from 28 studies, over 1,300 participants. If you look at this paper, they will show you, as they will in meta-analyses, all of the individual studies that were included in the report. These are all randomized controlled trials. They usually compared uh, protein. They usually included protein from a variety of sources, some all meat, some meat and vegetable sources. You can see the amount of protein here. This one was 3.3 grams per kilogram. That's pretty big. That's a lot of protein, right? These other ones, 2.4 grams per kilogram. That's way more than one gram of protein per pound of body weight, which is generally what I recommend people do on an animal-based diet. One gram of protein per pound of body weight. I will eat sometimes a little more than that, but these are heavy amounts of protein for people. For a 170 pound individual, you're looking at 220, 230 grams of protein at 3.3 grams per kilogram in the study. So lots of evidence, many studies that were included here and the meta-analysis concluded no effect on GFR, glomerular filtration rate, no effect on kidney function. I've shared my labs in the past. You can see that on previous blood work that I've done, my kidney function remains fine. I don't have any albumin in my urine. My GFR is normal. My creatinine is less than one. And I've also done cystatin C on myself, which is always within normal. If someone says, High-protein diets are bad for your kidney. Maybe it's the same dietitians that are attacking Ellie Miles for talking about an animal-based diet. Who knows? They're full of shit. It's totally bullshit, you guys. There's no evidence. Anyone who knows their stuff, anyone who understands nephrology, anyone who's looked at even the literature a little bit will know that is a fallacious notion. 
okay? With all that said, hopefully that helps you guys. If you want more information about how to eat an animal-based diet, check us out at Heart and Soil Supplements, heartandsoil.co. We are doing an animal-based 30, which is our 30-day challenge in the month of August. Go to animalbased30.com to sign up for that. And all sorts of great resources, community, discounts on our supplements. We've got Her Package, which is the women's version of Whole Package. Whole Package is our testicle supplement. It's out now at hardandsoil.co. Her Package is coming out next week. It has ovaries and testicles. A lot of ladies are excited about this. And I would be too if I had ovaries, okay? Now, hopefully that helps you guys. Join us for Animal Base 30 if you want more information about this. The high level on an animal-based diet is this, that meat and organs are the most nutritious foods on the planet. They have all of these unique nutrients that we can't get other places. I've talked about this many times in the past, answering taurine, choline, carnitine, K2, et cetera. Creatine, super beneficial for humans, makes us smarter if you don't eat it. And the least toxic plant foods. This idea of a plant toxicity spectrum is quite controversial. Did a whole debate with Alex Leaf about it. You can find that on my podcast as well. I've posted it. But it seems very clear to me that plants make toxins. Plants make defense chemicals to dissuade us from overconsuming them. This is really not controversial. And that for many people, eliminating the most toxic plants can improve significantly metrics like autoimmunity of all sorts of types, all sorts of incarnations, skin issues, psychiatric issues, all kinds of things get better for a lot of people when they eliminate the most toxic plants in their diet. GI issues certainly get better. Of course, most of this is anecdotal, it's observational, but the numbers are huge. When the N equals more than 10,000, you have to start asking questions. We have to start generating hypotheses. And my goal in the future is to build a nonprofit. It's coming soon, it's in the works, to fund studies that will actually show this so we can get uh, the mainstream medical establishment to pay attention. There's just so many people who are benefiting, but we must ask questions. And for the mainstream to be calling this misinformation grinds my gears, makes me so frustrated because many things that were once considered misinformation are not accepted as true. It's just that they challenge the mainstream. This is what humans do. Humans, when you see a new idea, we always think it's wrong. And then we eventually realize after much consternation, usually decades and decades, and many people suffering greatly, some people being executed in the past or people committing suicide, uh, like Semmelweis, because there was so much pushback to them and their ideas that actually ended up turning out to be true. We must be open to new ideas. We must consider them. We must evaluate them. We must test them. But at this point, there are so many people that are benefiting that this is a hypothesis worth entertaining. And to just call it medical misinformation and dismiss it really is a malignant type of behavior that is spawned from COVID. I will say that. We have COVID to thank for this. We have COVID to blame for it. It has now metastasized to the realms of health and medicine, nutrition. And that is very dangerous, my friends. Love you all. Stay radical.